0: a couple of prayer requests that I'd like us to join our hearts together with before we get started in our study. Two here that I'd like to mention specifically. Mary's sister, and I think it's Adina, is that right? Ed Adina. She has... um, lung infection and needs prayer. And also we want to pray for Marilyn tonight. Marilyn is going back to see her dad who is uh, who lives in Louisiana and um, she needs prayer that that he would come to the Lord. He's he's kind of on his deathbed I think and really struggling. And Marilyn has an opportunity to go back and, and see him and that's all the way back down south so that's a long ways but we want to pray that yeah, she comes out of um, Maryland. A lot of her family are from Jehovah Witness, and so there's a lot of uh, just spiritual warfare there. I want to lift her up tonight, pray that the Lord would strengthen her on her trip. She leaves tomorrow, and uh, pray that God would go before, Already doing the work beforehand. The Lord works both ends. You know that's the good news. We're praying here for you, Marilyn, but God's already doing something there. That's the way the Lord works. You see that throughout the scriptures when He. He's preparing someone on the one end and he's preparing the other so that he can bring his desired purpose together. So let's pray for these two needs and then we'll get started in our our study here tonight. Heavenly Father, once again, we want to thank you for the privilege of coming and worshiping you. Lord, we're mindful that there was a time when drawing near to you was not possible. That men, because of sin, were not able to draw near to the holiness of God. And yet tonight, because of the work that has been accomplished for us in Christ Jesus, we have gained this wonderful access, and we can sing the song, Draw Me Near to You. We can just kind of cozy on up to you, Lord, and like uh, the spirit of that Paul describes coming up from our hearts, Abba, Father, reaching out to you, Daddy, draw us close. We need your presence, we need your love, and all of that made possible, Lord, because of Jesus Christ cleansing us, justifying us, making us righteous before you. And we now have this wonderful relationship with you, and we we feel that in in fullness, Lord, during our times of worship. But, Lord, we also want to bring our requests to you tonight. We want to lift up Mary's sister, Edenina, Lord, who has apparently a lung infection. We don't know the details, but, Lord, it must be serious, or Mary would not be asking us to lift her up in prayer. So, Lord, we're, we're interceding for her tonight, God, and we would ask that you would touch her in her body, and that you would heal her, Lord. And God, I don't know her spiritual condition, but that you would speak to her, Lord, tonight concerning salvation, concerning uh, the eternal things, Lord, beyond just this body and this life. And I pray for Mary, God, that you would help her maybe to be a strength and a support and and a witness and a light during this time, Lord, in her family. And Father, we also want to lift up Marilyn to you, Lord, tonight as she is getting ready, preparing to go back to Louisiana to visit her father who is not doing well, Lord. I don't know all the details, but I know it's serious, and this may be the uh, coming to the end of his time on earth. And Lord, I'm just I'm just asking you, Lord, to extend once again your mercy. Lord, I'm thinking, I'm remembering when Jesus, when you were on the cross, and that uh, that thief who was who was next to you lived his whole life, Lord, and never really came to you and found himself living in sin and now under death penalty. And yet, even then, even at the last moment, the mercy of God reaches out to him. And as he cries out to Jesus, Jesus said, Today you will be with me in paradise. Lord, there's just no limit to your mercy. It's never too late. And no one is ever too lost for you to save. So, God, I do. I pray for Marilyn's father that whatever his spiritual condition, God, that you would give him that that opportunity even in these, this twilight now of his time to cry out to Jesus and that you, Lord, would welcome him into paradise. I pray for Marilyn, Lord, that you would keep her safe. And I pray, God, that you would give her spiritual wisdom. Lord, when you spoke to the disciples, you said for them not to worry about what they would say or or not to try and prepare every word that they might speak before those that they would be before. And so I pray that you would give Marilyn that comfort tonight, Lord, that she doesn't need to worry about having everything prepared, but that in that very hour, in that very moment, the Holy Spirit will come upon her and give her those words to speak. And it won't be her speaking, but it will be her father within her. Give her that kind of spiritual power, Lord. Give her that kind of spiritual sensitivity that she would go as a messenger from God and bringing the light of the gospel to her father to her family Lord may she shine brightly for you we ask that you bring her back safely Lord with a good report we look for your power Lord to go before her and to work wonderful things we thank you Lord and we ask now God that you would bless our study as we look to your word God speak to our hearts Lord quicken our hearts tonight for your your glory we ask in Jesus name amen amen well we're looking in we've been studying through the book of first Timothy we find ourselves tonight in chapter 6 and what we've studied a lot kinds of things that that often run common in the in the life of false teachers and uh, we finished up there in verse 5 when uh, Paul noted that that some of these men are they suppose that godliness is a means of gain, that whole idea of trying to use the kingdom of God for their own personal gain, the greed, money, t- money, oftentimes creeping into their desires, and Paul says, "From such, withdraw your to Timothy." And it really, uh, I taking tonight's title out of verse eleven. The, the, which we'll actually we'll be studying six through the end of the chapter. But verse 11 there, it says, But you, O man of God. And it's almost as if Paul is given this discourse on what to look for, the kinds of things that stick of you in your ministry. But you, O man of God, you need to live this way. These are the things that need to be evident in your ministry. These are the things that need to be taking place in your life. So tonight we'll look at that. But you, O man of God, what are the things that Paul encourages Timothy to have in his life as a minister, contrasting that to the false teachers he's just identified through verse 5. He kind of, again, picks up with that idea from people supposing that godliness would be a means of gain. But now, speaking to Timothy's heart, now, godliness with contentment is great. You, O man of God, you that desire to be uh, genuine and sincere in the things of God, May your heart first be content. May there be contentment. Let me just give you some verses that, that support that whole principle. when uh, Philippians chapter four, verse 11 through 13, I'll just read these out. You don't need to turn, but you can take notes if you like. Philippians 4:11. "I do not speak in regard to need," Paul said to the Philippians, "For I have learned in whatever state I am to be content." I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul said, I, I've learned, and it's not something that 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 you're naturally capable of doing. It's something that you have to learn, and the, and the Spirit of God begins to teach these things. But Paul had learned that in whatever condition, he, was, he knew how to be content, and that in every situation, he knew that Christ would strengthen him, and he could do all things. Hebrews 13, verse 5, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? If God is with you, then your heart should be content. You don't need anything else. We sang that tonight. You're all I ever needed. If the Lord is for you, if the Lord is with you, what else can you add to God? What else could you possibly need? besides the presence and promises of Almighty God. Proverbs chapter thirty, verse eight and nine. Remove falsehood and lives excuse me, lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. the, the Uh, The writer of Proverbs said, Lord, don't give me too little and don't give me too much. If I get too much, I might feel like I don't need you. And if I don't have enough, I might, you know, look to steal and get things on my own. Lord, fulfill me that, give me that which, which I need. And you know what I need. But Lord, give me that balance because I don't want to be on either extreme. And that's something to do with the idea of contentment. Learning to be at peace with where God has you, with what God gives you. He's promised to be with you. He's promised to meet your needs. He's promised to satisfy everything that pertains to you concerning life and godliness. We've got to learn to be content. Now that that's hard in our culture because the you know we have we have a a marketing machine uh, you know in the media that is coming at us all the time telling us you can't be content until you have one of these until you have this don't even think about contentment until you've come to the good life that we're offering here and and that whole whole idea of media is to try and create a, a, a desire for these things and boy i'll tell you you really get to to where you think you just have to have it you know it's not a it's not a want lord this is a need i need that car I i need that 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 house i need that swimming pool i need these things And our hearts can get desiring these things. And Paul's going to warn against that. Paul's saying, Timothy, you, O man of God, learn to be content. He's not saying that that God won't bless and that you won't have abundance. But he's saying, don't set your heart after that. Be content. God may give much. God may give just enough. God will meet your needs, but you, you and I need to learn to be content. That godliness with that type of contentment, Paul says, is really great gain. Here's a quote from the Greek philosopher Epicurus when he was asked the secret of contentment. He said, "Add not to a man's possessions, but take away from his desires." And that's some good wisdom there. It's not that that we need more stuff. It may be that we need less desires. Contentment. He's going to give us a little bit of a little reason here about why contentment is important and also How to think so that you could be content. Verse 7. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. I believe that one of the things that we must do as Christians is we must be eternally minded. There must be an eternal perspective. And I think verse 7 speaks to that. Look, you didn't bring anything with you, and you're not going to be able to take anything when you go. Don't look at this life as, as, you know, all that there is. You came in naked, broke, right? And you're going to go out that way. You can't take any of it with you. So think eternally. Don't think about what I can get my hands on right now. Look, you, you didn't start with any of it. You can't keep any of it. I think Paul is looking to give, our, get, get a, give us thoughts of an eternal mindset. Jesus said this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why not? Why not? We need those treasures, Lord. Well, that's where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Contentment is not preoccupied with the here and now. It has more of an eternal mindset, thinking of the big picture, knowing that God has eternity in mind. Let's look at verse 8. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. Having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. Simplicity. Simplicity is, is something that I believe is needed if we're going to be content. With more stuff comes more stuff that you've got to take care of, more things to worry about, more things to look after. More, more You know, you, you, you thought you needed that, that vacation home, right? needed that second residence. And then now you've got to take care of it. You never get to it. You thought you needed that RV in the driveway. But now it's just parked there. Now you've got to get out and you've got to take care of it. You've got to maintain it. You've got to, you know, you've got to work on it. With more stuff, sometimes comes more complications to our life. There's nothing wrong with these things. If you have these things, Lord bless you. But you know what I mean. You know what I mean. When you, as you accumulate more things, there's more things you've got to take care of. I thought I wanted a big backyard. <laughs> Man, Lord, get me out of this big backyard! Now we I got you know weeds and sprinkler problems and you know fruit trees that are you know and you got to clean up all this stuff and it's it just it, more stuff. Sometimes gets more complicated. Paul says, look, food and clothing, your basic needs. That's really all you need. That's all the Christian should need to be content, because God promises you those things, so you can be assured that God will always provide that for you. He knows what you have need of. And if you can learn to be content in that place. I, I may have shared this with you before. Maybe some of you heard it, maybe not. But I want to share it again. You know, we have some pastor friends that we work with in India. Let me tell you, India, some of you have gone with me. Uh, on, we took a missions trip there last year. It's a whole different ball game in terms of possessions and you know the things that they think about on a day-to-day basis versus the kinds of concerns that we have. It's just a very different... Uh, financial situation over there. And I have a pastor friend there, uh, Pastor Utham, who is kind of our main contact, and we work with him and his brothers over there in India, and we're, as a church, we support their work there, and we've gone over and helped them on a couple of missions trips. But Pastor Utham will call me from time to time, and uh, he'll just kind of talk to me and tell me what's going on in his ministry, and, you know, keeping me updated with what's going on. i love to hear from him. And this was about uh, I'm going to say, maybe a little less than a year ago, maybe it was about eight months ago, nine months ago, I got a call from Pastor Thumb, and it was at a time when I was going through, uh, in in business, I was going through all kinds of hassle professionally, all kinds of you know financial issues. I was running a, a group of medical clinics, and nothing was working out, and partners were bailing out. I, it was just a mess. And I was just fighting this thing and wrestling with this thing. And, I mean, it was on my mind. I'd, to, I'd wake up in the middle of the night, you know how those things just weigh on you. you just, your mind goes right to those worries and concerns, and you have a hard time sleeping. And I was in the middle of that kind of stress load. Lord, what, what am I going to do? How am I going to solve all this, you know, Lord? And, oh, Pastor Utham called me. And he called me. It was evening my time. It was morning his time because there are like 13 hours difference. Oh, Brother Richard, so good to hear, you, hear your voice, Pastor. It's early morning here, and I'm up on the roof of my house, and I'm just praising and thanking the Lord and worshiping the Lord and thanking. He's been so good to me. My family is healthy. I'm living here in our rented home, and the rent is paid. I don't have any debts right now. The ministry is, is just going along, and Lord is providing everything day to day. We have all that we need. My family is fed. We're, we're clothed. Oh, and the Lord is blessing ministry and I'm so grateful to be serving him. And I mean, it was just when I heard all that, <laughs> and I, I was in all this things and it was just like, "Oh God, for the simplicity of serving you." He doesn't have any businesses that he's having to manage. He doesn't have any property that he owns. He doesn't have, you know, he just lives by faith, Pastor Thom, and he just God's provided. And they live on, on very little. I think I've shared with you, you know, about $50 a month you can actually support a, a pastor in India full time in the ministry. So they don't have much, but he, they don't really need much. Or they don't want much, you know. And, and it, just, it just blessed my heart. I thought, oh, God. And it just spoke to me in that situation that I was. And I cried out, Lord, Lord, bring me to that place someday. It's not today, but I'm, Lord, bring me to that place. Of simplicity where my life is not so complicated not so wound up with stuff and worries and bills and you know all the things that we sometimes get ourselves wrapped up in and Paul is is saying look contentment the key to contentment is recognizing those things that you really need and it's not as much as you think it's not as much as we sometimes strive for and our hearts should be cautioned there our hearts should be And again, Paul's not asking for a vow of poverty. Paul does not teach that. There's nothing wrong. If the Lord blesses, praise God. He does bless. And he may bless in abundance. And if you live, to be honest, if you live in America, you're already abundantly blessed in comparison to some of those that we speak of in India. And there's nothing wrong with that. You don't need to feel guilty about that. But contentment is learning wherever you are, whether you are abundantly blessed or whether you are just barely blessed, just have enough to get by today. Learn content contentment can be found because it's not dependent upon those things. It's dependent upon God, who has promised to never leave you nor forsake you, and has promised an eternal future and hope and glory. And Paul said, I've learned that whatever wherever I find myself, I've learned to be content. And he's encouraging Timothy to to find this contentment in his own life. And he gives warning now. Let's look at some of the warnings. Verse 9, But those who desire to be rich, they fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Paul identifies the desire to be rich, he identifies this love of money. He said that when that's in the heart, when that's driving the heart, now again, there's nothing wrong with looking to advance your career, you know, as going getting an education so that you can do things well so that you can be the best that God's called you to be in whatever station you're in. There's nothing wrong with making good business decisions if you're in business and you want to see your business do well. We're not talking about you know, managing your affairs in a godly, well, uh, you know, smart, wise way. There's nothing wrong with that. We're talking about something in the heart that is greedy. Desire to be rich. I don't want to just make it. I want to be rich. I want to have it all. My now, sometimes I don't know if you've noticed this, but teenagers think that way on occasion. Dad, they're so rich. Really? Why? Well, they got a swimming pool. Oh well, okay. Oh, I want to be rich. You know, the kids they, they see things and they think, "Man, I want those things too for myself." And they think being rich is the way to have those things. But Paul's saying that that kind of desire, if it—if it—if it's—if it's fed, it—it it can become an insatiable appetite. Because the truth is, no matter how much you have, it's never enough. No matter how much you acquire, there's always a little bit more that you need. And it, it causes temptation and a snare. That's like an animal who would, be, would who get trapped in a snare. These things are, those that are greedy, they're vulnerable to this type of, of temptation. And, and being trapped into a, the uh, Bible calls it the deceitfulness of riches. He says that foolish and harmful lusts are there, that it drowns men, that they become overwhelmed in their greed. This love of money, it's the root. Now, not money in itself is not evil, but the love of money is a root, and it leads to all kinds of evil. Even some would stray from the faith. Paul talked of a, of a man in 2 Timothy about Demas. And he says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. Talking about a man who was serving with Paul in ministry, a man named Demas who was being faithful with him and, and God was using him. He had ministry with the Apostle Paul. Can you imagine what a wonderful privilege to travel and minister with the Apostle Paul? But he forsook that, having loved this present world, something in his desire and his heart desired after money and material things, and he left the ministry. Paul said that some, for the love of money, will stray. Remember Judas. He betrayed Jesus for what? For money. The love of money. And they pierced themselves through with many, many sorrows. You may know some people who are, are like this. They're just, they're just in pursuit of money and things and it doesn't it never satisfies in fact they end up piercing themselves with many sorrows you don't have to look very far we live in holly we live close to hollywood right and the the media will tell you there's so many people who have so much money and they are so miserable and you know sometimes if you watch some of these um one of those shows entertainment you know et tonight those these shows that give you these glimpse of the stars and what they're doing i watch them religiously no i don't but you know every now and then i kind of catch up on you know what's going on with an actor that you like or whatever you know you want to see what's he doing what's he up to and i can't help but think you know you, you hear the stories and they're in and out of this relationship and this and they're drug chart god they're they so miserable you can't, they, they are pierced with many sorrows. Their life is just, you know, a, a wreck. And they have everything that money can buy. They have more money than they know what to do with. They have more money than they can even spend in their lifetime. And yet, their lives, just as the Bible says, they are pierced with many sorrows. Money does not bring contentment. Money does not bring... And, and the love of money... Brings uh, many uh, many harmful things. The Bible says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Paul gives warning. Verse 11 But you, O man of God and that's of course our title of tonight's message but you, O man of God flee these things. Flee these things, Timothy. Don't get caught up in money. Don't get caught up in the pursuit of things. Don't you find your heart Chasing after this stuff. Some have already done it and fallen away. I've told you about false teachers. They're caught up in that, Timothy. But you, you you be content with where God has you. You be content with what God's given you. And instead of uh, having those things in your life, rather pursue these things. So flee those things that I've just mentioned. And now verse 11, pursue. That would be the next thing here, to pursue. Talked about what to flee. Let's talk now about what to pursue. Pursue righteousness. Pursue godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Just a quick thought on each one of those bullets. Pursue righteousness. Righteousness. This is not a righteous, the righteousness that has been given to you in Christ. You don't need to pursue that. That's already been given to you through Christ. But this is talking more about an obedient lifestyle. Live, pursue living a righteous life before God. Pursue godliness, which has to do with a reverent and worship attitude toward God. Pursue faith, which, of course, means trust and confidence in the Lord. Pursue love, love for God, love for one another. Pursue patience, which we know to be perseverance, even in the midst of difficulty and trial. Pursue these things. Gentleness. Gentleness speaks of humility, a meekness, a kindness. has to do with a demeanor, a spirit. Pursue these things. Let these things be your pursuit. Not, not stuff. Not, not desiring to be rich. Not more things. And again, these things in themselves are not evil. I don't want anybody to feel guilty tonight if you uh, enjoy certain recreation and you have, you have a boat at home that you take out. on the, There's nothing wrong with that. But don't let that be the life pursuit. That's, a man's life does not consist of the things that he possesses, Jesus said. It's all right that we possess, but that's not my life. That's not my identity. That's not where my heart is. If God blesses and gives opportunity to enjoy those things, praise God, Lord. We use them and we glorify you with them. But we are not, that's not what our life is about. We are pursuing, rather, these other things that Paul has identified in verse 11. Another thing that he encourages for the man of God, he says in verse 12 that we should fight. Fight what? The good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. What is the good fight of faith? It's the noble fight for the Christian faith, doctrine, and calling. These are the things that are worth fighting for. Your faith, what you believe about Jesus, it's a noble fight. It's a good fight. Be willing to give your life to those things. He says to lay hold on eternal life. That's, I believe, part of this idea of fighting. These are the things to contend for. These are the things to strive after. Lay hold on eternal life. What does that mean, lay hold on eternal life? I thought that eternal life was only something that God could give us as a gift through grace. Now he's telling him to lay hold of it as though he has to work to earn it. Paul's not saying that. Eternal life is a gift that, is imparted to those who believe in Jesus, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten son, begotten son, that whosoever should believe on Him should not perish, but have eternal life. It comes as a gift from God with our faith in Christ. But I believe what Paul is saying here is, lay hold of that eternal life. Get your, you know, get your arms around that. That which God has already promised, that which God has already started—eternal life when you were born again—is beginning to work in your life. Lay hold of that. Make that your concern. Make that your your pursuit. Put your mind there. Colossians three two says, "Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth." I believe it speaks to priorities. Lay hold of eternal life. Make. Do things that are that have eternal value. It's to this you have been called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Timothy, you, you made this good confession. You at one time in front of many said, I am a follower and believer of Jesus Christ. You know, that's an important confession to make. That's important for all of us. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, i will confess you before my father but if you deny me if you're embarrassed of me before men then i will deny you before my father there's god's not looking for us to kind of you know keep christianity in the closet you know kind of sneak jesus in the back door don't let anybody know i'm really a christian timothy you made a good confession and you said it in the presence of many witnesses you weren't ashamed i'm a christian that may bring persecution, that may bring, I may lose friends, I may not be popular, but this is who I am. This is what my life is about. Paul says, fight that fight. Stand up for what you believe. Let people know who you are and what you believe, what's important to you. Don't be ashamed of this, this thing that God has done in your life. You've done that, and Paul's and Timothy, and Paul's encouraging you to, to, to hang on to that. The rest of the chapter, I believe, Paul speaks now to the idea of faithfulness. Paul encourages Timothy now to be faithful. These are things that you just need to continue to do. Paul gives him several uh, exhortations. Verse 13, I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. What's he saying there? I'm urging you, Timothy, before God and before Jesus Christ, who he, he made a good confession before Pontius Pilate. He's your example. In other words, Paul is saying, Timothy, think of Jesus as I urge you to be this kind of a man. Consider the kind of man that Jesus was. Remember the confession that he made. Remember that he stood strong in the faith even before Pontius Pilate who ultimately had the power to send him to his death. Even at the price of his life, he, he made the claims of who he was and what he came for, and he made his confession. And that's what Paul is saying, Timothy, that's the kind of boldness you need. Jesus was this kind of example. I'm urging you to be this kind of example as well. That you keep this commandment without spot, Blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ's appearing. That you would keep it without spot and that you would keep it until the Lord returns. Don't be... Timothy, don't be a really strong Christian for just a little while. Don't be a really committed Christian for just a season. You need to make it until the Lord returns. He's encouraging, to, this this is a lifelong commitment, Timothy. I'm urging you. Jesus went all the way, even at, to the point of death. Timothy, you too, until he returns. Timothy li- died before Jesus returned. You and I may die. Jesus may return. But either in either case, that's the day we're looking for. We're looking for that day when Jesus returns. We may die and go to be with him, in which case our fight here will be over. Or we may, he may come again while we're here, in which case our fight will be over. We'll be changed in the moment, the twinkle of an eye. We caught up together with the Lord. But the, the, the exhortation here is hang in there, Timothy. You've got to make it to the end. It's not how you start the race, it's how you finish. Go all the way with God until he returns. Verse 15, which he will manifest in his own time, that is, his, his return. He who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. To him, to whom be honor, and and everlasting power. Amen. Concerning this Christ, when Timothy, hang in till Christ's return, and when he when he just kind of goes off, and who's coming, and he's he's a King of kings and he's Lord of lords, and he's going to do this by his power. He's coming again, Timothy. Don't shy away. Jesus is in charge. God does have it all in control. He is going to return. Your faith is not ill-spent. It's secure. It's in the right place. Hang in there. Jesus is coming, and He's coming in glory. He's coming in power. The only wise, true, potentate to Him be glory and power forever. Amen. It's a good place to put your faith. You know, we're living in times that if you know anything about Bible prophecy... You have to have your antenna up and say, you know, there's stuff going on in the world today that sure looks like some of the prophetic things that the Bible predicted. Israel is back in the land. Isn't it interesting that the whole world is kind of, the whole geopolitical situation today is centered where? The Middle East, Israel, oil. I mean, the whole world, our whole economy is feeling, you know, anybody notice the price of gas? Isn't it interesting that that so touches everybody on the planet, and it all stems to the to the instability right there in that that little region in the Middle East and Israel, right in the middle of it all. Right, that's the conflict, terrorism. What's what's all that? What's 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 fueling all that? It's the Muslim hatred for Israel and them and their land. Why are they? Why do they hate Americans? Why are they, why are they coming? Because we support Israel. Isn't it interesting that you know all these years, and here this is that seems to be the center of what's going on in the world today. Much of this prophesied, God talking about these things coming together. You know, we might be close. We may really be close. You have to kind of wonder how much longer can all of this go on? I mean, it just almost feels like you know this situation can't last forever. This tension, this you know the, the, the situations that we see across the world and and I don't say these things to, to put to fear in your heart but rather to encourage you just like Paul said look up for your redemption redemption draweth nigh put your faith in God tonight put your hope in him who is going to come again he's coming he may come in your day he may come before the day is out over he can come at any time Put your trust and faith there. Be faithful with your, your profession t- towards Him. Allow your faith in Him to grow strong, even in the midst of difficult times. Verse 17, Timothy, you also need to command something about those who are rich. It kind of goes back and talks a little bit more about those who do have resources. Commit to, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches but in the living god who gives us richly all things to enjoy don't be haughty if you have if god has blessed you with resources don't be don't let that make you proud that doesn't make you better that doesn't make you a higher class that doesn't don't be haughty with that if god has blessed you don't put your trust in the uncertainty of those riches you know all you have to do is look at california real estate i felt pretty good about my home equity until about I don't know 30 days ago all of a sudden my I I've, I've lost so much money in the last two months and I haven't even done anything just my home equity is going down right these are un, these things are uncertain you know, our, your homes may be worth a lot less 30 days from now I mean I made all this money on paper right I had a, I owned a home and I thought it was worth X and I found out it was you know I found out that anybody in California if you you know if you have a three-bedroom house with a two bathrooms, you're a millionaire. (laughs) Not really, but you know what I'm saying. These things are uncertain. The volatility of that, don't put your trust in that. Don't put your confidence there, Paul is saying. Here's what you should be doing. If God's blessed you with resources, let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold, there's that word again, laying hold on eternal life. Be eternally minded. Timothy, instruct those in your congregation that may be wealthy, and some are, here's how they should handle it. Don't be haughty. Don't put your trust or confidence in it, but rather keep your confidence in God, who gives us richly all things. God recognized that if you have resources God is the one who has given you those resources. So don't look to the resources, but look to the God who gives them. And also, be about doing good. Be rich in good works. Don't just be rich financially. Be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Be a blessing to others. If God has given you resources, chances are He's given you those resources that you might help others, that you might be a blessing to others. We're not suggesting that you... You know, we start some commune here, and everybody gives their money away to one another. No, we're, but but look for opportunities to be a blessing. If you have the ability to bless others, then then look for those opportunities, and not don't give beyond your ability. Don't give everything that you have, but look for places that God would open up for you to be a blessing. And in that way, you will be storing up a good foundation for the life that is to come, and that's the eternal life that Paul is encouraging all of us to look towards verse 20 oh timothy and his final exhortation in in being faithful he's, he's telling him to keep his commandment he's telling him to command rich and now he tells timothy to guard guard what was committed to your trust avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge by professing it some have strayed concerning the faith grace be with you amen and Paul summarizes much of what he has said through the chapter, concerning through the book, concerning false teaching, concerning the kinds of things that that get in, that people get involved in. That's falsely called knowledge. Timothy, don't get involved in that. You guard these doctrines that have been entrusted to you. You guard these things that that I'm telling you now. The things that you saw in me. The, the foundational principles that we laid down. You guard those things, Timothy. They've been committed. To your trust. And I like that word verse, in verse 20. He says, Oh, Timothy. He doesn't just say Timothy, but Oh, Timothy. You can hear, you can feel the apostles' passion and care. Oh, Timothy, guard these things. These things I'm telling you, Timothy, these are life. These are, these are the things that are going to last forever. You've got to defend them, fight for them, guard them watch over your own life be careful don't fall into some of these traps you O man of god keep yourself in these principles and allow the lord to continue to use you and to continue to to bless you in the life of the church and tonight i would simply say that that's a good word for all of us you O people of god don't get caught up in some of the things that the apostle warns here and all of us have to guard our hearts truthfully, the deceitfulness of riches, the distraction, cares of the world. We live busy lives. We really do. And sometimes too busy. And sometimes I think we could all do for just a, a little more simplicity. Oh God, just slow me down enough to hear your voice, to know what the Spirit of God would want to say, to know what the Spirit of God has for me in my life. Sometimes we can't hear it because we're just too busy running and doing and pursuing and, you know, scheming, doing our thing. I, I you know, I'm, I'm there. I'm there a lot of times as well. i broken down car we had to go fix and we had to, you know, drive, you know. Oh, you know. Oh, my wife's driving with me. She has to drive me there to get the car. And I'm just complaining the whole way, you know. It's like down Southgate it takes and we're in traffic, I'm complaining about that. And this car had already been fixed, and then the first day we got it back, it broke down again, I had to go back in the shop, I'm complaining about that. And, and Brother Barney was the one who recommended this place for, <laughs> <laughs> he's not here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Brother Barney saved me a lot of money on this car, and it was a great blessing, so I'm. Not fixed, just money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, you know how it is, you just get caught, and I'm telling you, I had such a bad attitude. This is today. Before I'm going to come and preach this wonderful message to you. So I know what it is. It's true, my wife says. <laughs> and she said something. I said, You know, I'm just negative about everything right now. So no matter what we talk about, it's going to be wrong. And I, we, I, better, I better just shut up. <laughs> and uh, that was the best advice. That was the best thing I said. <laughs> we get caught up and we get, you know, wound up. And I just, I just love the word brings us back lay hold of eternal life lay hold of the things that really matter don't we live in this world and you know you got to get your car fixed and you got to you know it's life You saying you got to do these things and it's part but contentment it can be found somewhere in the midst of it all if we can just quiet the noise and remember god's got something good god has been good there's eternal life that's been promised the blessings of god on our lives you know, that's, that's contentment. And all of a sudden, things just, yeah, the stuff just settles down. Oh, thank you. And that's why tonight, even during our worship, I was, oh, Lord, I needed that. Just to, you know, set it all down for a few minutes and just bask in the presence of the Lord. It's a good word that Paul is encouraging Timothy with, and it's good for us as, uh, as we study it together. I pray God will put that in all of our hearts. Well, I want to close us in prayer. And then we want to sing happy birthday to somebody. But let's close in prayer first. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this good word that you've given us tonight, Lord, and exhorting Timothy to be the man of God that you've called him to be. Lord, so so many good, just practical things there. And Lord, just warnings and encouragements. And Lord, I pray for us tonight, Lord. We live in a very uh, affluent, culture, and society. We live in a very kind of a consumer-oriented time. And, Lord, you've blessed uh, America, and you've blessed us as a people, Lord, in the world, and we're thankful for that. And, and I just pray, God, that we would, we would hear the exhortation tonight, that if you've blessed us, Lord, and I, and I just feel like you have, so many of us have been blessed that we would not put our trust in those things, that we would remember that it's God who gives good things, and that if we have those blessings, they come from you, Lord, and we're thankful for them, but that we would not make that our life pursuit, but rather good works and being ready to share and looking to, to help others in need and to be faithful with the resources that have been entrusted to us, God. And it's not just money, Lord. It's time. It's, it's skills. It's, it's so many different things, Lord. I pray that all of us would be challenged tonight for good, to do good things, and challenged tonight to be, to be content with where you have us, Lord. You're taking care of us, God. If we look back on our lives, Lord, how many of us have come through things that we we, we were worried to death about, and yet, somehow, you brought us through. <laughs> Lord. I believe that you're going to continue to bring us through and you're going to continue to be faithful until the Lord returns or until we go to be with you. So, Lord, I pray that you would encourage our hearts tonight with these truths and that we would live, Lord, honorably before you. In Jesus' name I pray.